You're listening to Escaping the Rat Race. I'm your host, Amy Leo, a singer, songwriter, and mental health educator. And our show is all about questioning the status quo and pushing the boundaries into what's possible for human beings and not probable. So tune in and get ready to escape the rat race, not only the monotonous nine to five work grind, but also that incessant internal mental chatter that prevents most of us humans from experiencing more joy, peace, clarity, and freedom. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Amy Leo, and I'm here with my colleague, Meg. And today, I think it's a really saucy episode. We're going to be talking about relationships and love. And you may be asking, how does this relate to the idea of escaping the rat race? But love and relationships, just like a job or just like a career pursuit, can be really similar in that it can seem really endless and self-defeating and that it goes around and around like a a rat in a wheel uh, and never really getting anywhere. So we're really going to be kind of debunking some common myths about uh, relationships and love today in the hopes that uh, we can all have uh, a little bit more compassion for each other and, and have more satisfying relationships. Uh, a story that comes to mind to share right now is the fact that I actually was scheduled to fly into Belgium this year uh, when the attacks took place at the airport. And it was the closest I'd probably been to being in some type of terrorist situation like that. And I remember in an instant, it provided such a perspective shift that I saw so clearly that the only things that are important truly is life itself and love. And the reason why I was so touched by love is because I actually woke up that morning to my mother sobbing, crying, asking where I was because she knew I was supposed to fly to Brussels that day, uh, but didn't know when. So she, of course, was kind of thinking worst case scenario. She thought I had been injured or that I was dead or that I was alone in a a really high, high stress, uh, violent situation. And I remember being so struck and so touched by the amount of love that I could feel through the phone. So I'd like to maybe pass it over to Meg and just, Meg, if you could share, how has love changed for you over the past few years? How did you relate to it before when it came to relationships, whether romantic or family? And and how is it uh, manifesting for you today? Great question, Amy. Um, So I would say that over gosh, let's say the past six years, right? Um, maybe love has changed in that I used to, first of all, I don't think I ever really loved myself, you know, and I think that that is a huge part of it. Not only is it like, if you can't love yourself, I don't know if it's really possible to receive love from others. And so I know my family's always loved me and they always will love me. And they show me that by providing for me, just by being there to listen to what I say, you know, and just letting me voice my concerns and, and always trying to offer some type of advice or help, even though it might not be what I need at the time. And they continue to be there for me, but I don't think I was always able to receive it fully and feel like I deserved it. And so I think that's what's changed for me the most over the years is that, you know, I've, I've been in relationships. I had a wonderful four-year relationship through college with a man that treated me with so much respect and so much love. And I'd never felt that before. Um, and I still struggled with it. And I remember my dad telling me things like, 
you know, when he takes you out to dinner, don't look at, you know, the right side of the menu because that's where the prices are. He's like, that doesn't matter. You're worth anything, Megan. Like, and I just, I didn't accept that when he would tell me those things. I was like, no, like, I don't want to spend money on me. Like, it's not, you know, she shouldn't have to spend money on me and all this stuff. And it's not that I'm saying, like, a relationship is based on going out to eat and how much person spends on you. That's not what I'm getting at here. I'm just saying that my mind was that I wasn't even worth to go out to pay for, to have somebody pay dinner for me, you know, like when you break it down, that's how I think my mindset was. And over the years, I have just come to learn to love myself more and, and realize that I'm worth so much and that the more value and love I give to the people in my life, the more I can receive. And so I just try to give unconditionally. I'm not always, I'm not trying to look for anything in, in return. I'm not, you know, if I, if I give you my time or if I, if I help you with something, that doesn't mean that I expect you to do the same or that you owe me. And I think for, I don't know, I'm not going to say I think for a lot of people, I think for me at a point in my time, if I did something for somebody, even if it was out of love, you know, and then maybe I wasn't expecting it in return, but then when it didn't happen, I kind of felt disappointed sometimes. And now I don't feel that way, you know? Um, because everybody's their own person. And I know it's kind of like a tangent and off subject maybe from love, but I think that to love someone else and to feel love, you have to understand that we're all individuals and that we all see the world differently and we're all going through things differently, even though we might be in the same situation. And so how I treat one person may not be how they treat me and that doesn't mean that's not their way of showing me love. Um, and I think that I just, I, I realized that I don't know. I just realized that love comes in so many forms. Then I'm just open and willing to accept all of them. And I want to be able to give them as well. Does that make any sense, Amy? <laughs> it does. It does. I really loved some of the, the things that you touched on. I think that love is something that is spoken a lot about in our culture. And it's something that that also, as a result of that, comes with a lot of ideas and a lot of rules that we may or may not be aware of. And that's something that you really were highlighting, you know, that you probably weren't as aware of those rules that you were making up for love or you were aware of them or, and you took them seriously instead of just seeing that, hey, these were like created from my own thinking and they actually have nothing to do at all with the fact that I am loved. Uh, by this manner that I am worthy of love just by being a human being. You know, I, I definitely agree with you about uh, in my own life, how having expectations on another human being uh, isn't really as interesting to me as it once was. <laughs> you know, I see... I, I hear a lot of people talk and they'll be, you know, get the love you deserve or make sure he's treating you right. And, and again, that's just setting up barriers to actually experiencing genuine connection between two people. At least that's been my experience. Um, if I can share a personal story, and I know Meg, you know about this because we're very, very good friends as well as business partners. But um, I had an experience recently where I've uh, met my soulmate. And for me to even say that, for, Megan has known me for a long time. I am someone that has never spoken like that. I've been in relationships and I've met wonderful people and I've dated great people, but I've never felt such a connection with another human being. And I really honestly thought that all of the 
rom-com movies and all the love songs. I mean, to be honest, the love songs kind of annoyed me to a point. <laughs> but so recently, I was like, oh, it's so ridiculous. You know, the breakup songs, like, of course you can live without someone else. Stop being so dramatic people, you know, like, <laughs> just having no compassion at all which is the trap that all of us get into from time to time. So I don't really get judgmental about that. Um, but I had an experience of falling in love with someone and it wasn't what society tells me is an acceptable circumstance for that. So when I met him, he had a girlfriend and it was really interesting to me that as him and I got closer and we're having more and more conversations that he started opening up to me about his girlfriend. And uh, he saw, you know, he said a couple of times, like, well, I don't think I can talk about this with you. Um, and I really honestly in that moment felt nothing but support and love for him. And I said, of course you can talk with me about that. And Megan, if you would have told me that it is possible to actually show up in a conversation with another human being that you're falling in love with and not speak from your own agenda, not try to give him advice, not try to sway him in breaking up with his girlfriend, but to just sit there at a dinner table or wherever we were and just listen to him and connect at a human level. For me, having that experience, it was so clear to me that all this other stuff that I play in from time to time, because I'm human and I still get stuck in egoic thinking, but how much that that's really not that satisfying and it's really not relevant. You know, it's, it's like when I've tried to put the concept of love in a box, it's like preventing me from seeing the whole picture. You know, it's like, I I don't know what's coming to mind, but a jigsaw puzzle is coming to mind right now. And I don't know how this metaphor is going to play out because it's still occurring in my brain. But it's something about like a jigsaw puzzle of before I was trying to get the picture to look like how I wanted. So I would try to manipulate it and things like that. Whereas now I just sit back and, and I'm in part of life and I'm not trying to control it. And ironically, the picture that's being created that I'm co-creating with instead of trying to force or control is more beautiful than I could have ever, ever imagined. Um, And relationships are interesting too when you're talking about, you know, building a business or in the workplace. And I'm curious, Meg, if you can share about how, how you have learned more about the human experience and how each person, like you said, is really just living in the feeling of their own thinking. They're really living in their own reality. I mean, I say this a lot, but it's really true. No two people have the same biochemistry. No two people have the same sensory inputs and interpretation. So knowing that, Meg, has that transformed how you are in your work life as well as your personal life? Yeah, totally. Um, I love that question. Again, I love all these questions. Um, Knowing that no two people are alike or no two people are going to see the same situation the same way or perceive it the same way or have the same context, right? Um, I mean, every now and then it's like, oh, no way, you thought the same exact thing as me? You know, but for the most part, even if we 
see or feel or think the same thing in one moment, from there on, it can change. And it can change in two different ways completely. Um, and when it comes to my business and um, what I do as a health coach, as a personal trainer, I've realized that everybody has their own map, right, in their brain, like their own mind map, basically. And as a coach, which I know Amy is not a coach and she's not all for the coaching, but that's okay. Um, as a coach, I think it's so important that I'm not trying to get them on my mind map, nor am I trying to push my mind map on them, but I'm just open and I'm realizing that their mind map is also correct. There is no one right way right now. Yes, I'm the coach and yes, they're the client. That does not mean that they're wrong and I'm right. It does not mean that I know more even. Um, it just means that I need to be open and listening to what they're saying and understanding that their mind is feeling and seeing and hearing things a certain way. And that's how they're thinking. And so when it comes to coaching them or doing anything with them, I need to get on their mind map, not try to get them on mine or on somebody else's or push mine onto them, but to release all of my beliefs in a way and all of my previous thoughts on the person or what we're talking about even and just jump onto their mind map and let them go with the flow of what they're thinking and and work from there if you think about schooling or anything like that a lot of times they'll say like i'm not a good test taker or i work better with my hands you know well that's me i'm somebody that i learn by doing there are people who learn by listening or they learn by reading or they learn by you know doing all three of those things you know or whatever their way of learning is there's all these different ways right so it's the same thing when it comes to me with working with clients and with my business and with myself and my business is that when it comes to my clients, I need to be open and receptive to whatever their map is, whatever their way of learning is, whatever their way of thinking is, and, and mold myself to that map for them. So that way I can give them the experience that they want, they need, and that they're looking for to be successful. And in the same sense, I need to do the same thing to myself where you know, as an entrepreneur, you can get very overwhelmed with the internet and like all these options, you know, like, oh, make $5,000 a month here and do this and you'll be a millionaire and do that and everybody will know your name. And it's like, okay, but like, which of these actually resonate with me? Because these are all somebody else's things, you know, and they're not mine. And that's why some, not that they don't work. I'm not saying you have to reinvent the wheel ever, you know, things definitely work, you know, uh, a marketing funnel works. It's not that it doesn't, it just has to resonate and be in line with who you are and I think that goes hand in hand with not only you as a entrepreneur as a human being as a person in your relationships but also as working with clients and so that's how I feel like when it comes to my boyfriend and I or any relationship that I have Amy and I I no longer like what I used to do is I would try to push my way of thinking you know the golden rule was to treat others how they want to be treated well I want to be treated this way it does not mean that that person wants to be treated that way though you know um and yes of course that Golden rule really goes towards like, don't hurt them. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure they don't want to get hurt either. But what I mean by that is like, I'm an extrovert and Amy's not, and we live together. And so if I was treating Amy how I want to be treated, I'd be like jumping on her and be like, let's go outside, let's go do stuff. I want to go do stuff, let's go meet people. And although Amy loves meeting people, Amy might be like, well, I want to take a nap and like first like get my bearings back together before I go out. I need to reset. And I'm like, mm, but that's not what I would do. So I'm not going to treat you that way. And I think that's where people sometimes get confused in all relationships, including their um, 
intimate ones, you know, like, oh, my partner can't read my mind, you know, no, they can't read your mind, you know, and I, we talk, we joke about that all the time, my boyfriend and I, like, I don't know what you're thinking, you have to tell me, like, like, I know you pretty well, but that doesn't mean I, I'm going to be right about what you're thinking, I don't want to make assumptions, I want to communicate with you, so I think that, uh, I think that my next subject right now should be about how to communicate in a relationship, Amy, so if you'd like to either talk about what I just talked about or take it away on communication, that'd be awesome. <laughs> How about I'll do both, Nick? <laughs> I'll do both. Uh, I mean, it was really striking to me as you were speaking that th this compassionate piece, you know, this piece of compassion. And for me, being more compassionate to other people hasn't unfolded as, uh, hasn't unfolded because I've worked at that or because I did affirmations about being a compassionate person. For me, what has happened is, the more I see how the human system works and how it unfolds for everybody, the easier it is for me to see things in a much more neutral way, which is kind of like what you're talking about when you're talking about your boyfriend and you, you know, or with me. Like, for instance, if we were in a romantic relationship, you might have taken that personally if I didn't want to go out with you. You could have even said like, oh my gosh, this means that so-and-so doesn't love me and he never takes me out. He never wants to do anything with me. Right? I mean, these are tailspins or rat race loops that all of us can go on from time to time. But there's something about recognizing that every experience is stemming from thought and every human being gets caught up in believing that their own thinking is real. And when you see that, it's much easier to just get curious, like you were talking about when you're, when you're with a client, to get curious about how they see the world. I remember another amazing thing that's happened for me that again, I, I, it's another example of the same thing, the same experience of feeling so connected to another human being that I, I just can't even believe that this level of living is possible. I still can't sometimes, <laughs> you know, I used to be someone, uh, I've shared this before, I think, but I used to be someone who was really like <laughs> an in your face advocate, almost like what Megan's describing. I don't think that this is rare that we'll have strong opinions as an individual. And we try to innocently push our opinions on other people, usually with the best of intentions, but that's kind of what we do. We try to convince people, we try to persuade, sometimes we argue, sometimes we manipulate, anything on that spectrum. And I remember um, that someone said something that I perceived to be as racist and prejudice. And this has been a hot button issue for me my entire life. It's something that viscerally makes me sick, actually. Uh, and instead of getting on my high horse, again, taking the stance that I know better and like I'm the righteous one, I just shut my mouth. And I got curious as to why this person was saying this and why he was perceiving the world this way. And what happened is I had a conversation that lasted about an hour in which I actually learned something about the thinking that's behind prejudice, right? The prejudice, the actions, the behavior, the behavior is always an effect. It's never the cause. And what I think is really interesting is that in a lot of traditional uh, approaches uh, to mental health and well-being, we try to manipulate behavior. And the thing with that is, is that, again, it's not getting to the root cause. It's not getting to state of mind. And when you see that someone's state of mind shifts, it's no longer relevant. Furthermore, when someone's really in a lower angry place, it's generally not the best time to have a rational conversation with them. 
you know, it's just going to tailspin out of control more than likely. Again, this is always case by case. Uh, and then Meg, okay, she was talking about communication. Okay, this is also funny to me now. <laughs> I, could, I could go on about this topic forever. It's really a pity that we have such a short amount of time. Um, hmm. I see communication really differently now as well. Because I've noticed for myself that what comes out of my mouth when I'm in an insecure mood or an anxious mood or an angry mood or a sad mood or a depressed mood, that is not how I think 98% of the time. So I've really learned to not take myself seriously for the most part. You know, sometimes I remember having a serious conversation with my sweetheart and I was like, <laughs> I was like kind of crying, kind of upset, but like a part of me was kind of onto myself where I was almost laughing because it was like in my brain, there was a parliament, you know, there was like this internal debate going on, this thought committee of like, what was coming out of my mouth was purely insecure thinking, talking, and I didn't really believe what I was saying because I knew it wasn't true. And there's something about that, you know, communication has gotten a really big focus uh, in a lot of like marriage therapy and couples counseling. But the thing is, if you aren't in a good feeling and then you're communicating that, it's not going to lead to a good feeling, right? I mean, Megan, I don't know if this has been your experience. Sometimes it's really common sense that when the storm passes, that that it's all okay, that we don't have to get in there and get our hands dirty with our insecure thinking. We really don't. Most of the time, I feel like I have a choice now. Every now and again, I'm so caught up that I forget. But the truth is like, it's just not a place where anything beautiful can come from. You know, our minds are analytical machines. They're made to process information. They're made to weigh pros and cons. What your computer brain can't do is give you the experience of love. I think I've shared this before when in relationships, I, I was dating two guys or two guys wanted to date me uh, and I didn't know which one to choose. So I did a pros and cons list. I think I'm sure this. I mean, how ridiculous. And of course it worked out horribly. I didn't end up with either one of them because that isn't in alignment with, with how the human system was made to work. You know, we are the experience of openness and wisdom and love. When our conceptual thinking drops and the potential for everybody to see something differently about themselves or to have concepts drop or to become aware of thinking they weren't aware of, that is available for every human being every second of the day. And that's the truth. Megan, can you share a little bit about maybe an aha moment for you? That's occurred, uh, if you can remember it, when it comes to relationships or love? Sure. Um, I'll try to think of one right now. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's plenty. I think, in general, and, I'll, and I'm trying to think of one specific one, which I'm sure there is one. Um, I think, in general, what it comes down to and what I've noticed in all of my relationships, even now, because I am human. But the, the thing is that now that I'm aware of it, it can't control me. Because once I'm aware of it, I, I, I'm not letting it control me anymore. And that is taking things personally and making assumptions. And so I think that for a while, you know, I was in a relationship through college and 
I trusted my boyfriend and I still to this day don't think he have cheated on me. I don't think anything happened like that, but you can easily, easily get caught up in your mind with assumptions easily, you know, like, okay, we're in a long distance relationship. He's not around. Who knows what he's doing on his weekends. Oh, there's a picture on Facebook and there was a girl, you know, standing next to him in the picture. Oh my God. Right. Assumption. Um, <laughs> the list can go on. It really can. Yeah, um, it can. It can. If you rev on the the gas of that kind of thinking, and I've done the same, I mean, it, it just doesn't serve anybody. It, it creates anxiety in our own body, and it actually gets us further away from feeling the love that we're craving anyway. Right, right, exactly. So, like, I don't know. I think, I think my biggest, you know, like, that, that's not, like, the biggest thing that's ever happened in a relationship with me, but I think that that's what it all has stemmed from. Like, every story I could possibly tell you has probably come with me taking something personally or assuming something or doing both. And like when you take things personally, then you feel offended, right? And your reaction is to defend yourself or your beliefs or whatever conflict is happening or your assumption, which is really your belief, right? So you make some big deal out of something that's so little because your ego has the need to be right and make it real strong. And so you're trying so hard to be right because you've, you've mold over this assumption that they're cheating on you or that you know, they think you're fat or they're not attracted to you anymore or something or something or something. You've, you've mulled over it in your brain for so long that it's become reality to you and you think it's real. And you think that all their actions are really just like underlying hints and, and little stabs at you to say those things to you. When in all actuality, they're probably not. You know, maybe they are. Maybe you're right. Who knows? But if you haven't actually communicated with this person yet about it, you're just making an assumption. And you have no idea whether you're right or wrong. But because you've thought about it for so long now, you assume you're right, another assumption, and then you attack this person, usually verbally, with like poison basically, and you and you start, you know, making them feel like a bad person when they have no idea what's going on in your brain right now. So now you have two people who are assuming things and yelling at each other and taking things personally, when if they were just open and communicative from the beginning, it wouldn't have caused such a blow up. And I think that as somebody, I haven't had many fights. I've had four or five boyfriends in my life and in those maybe three or four fights, real fights. And they were usually because of just mis miscommunication or somebody wanted to be right. That didn't matter. There is no way you can let somebody in and love them and receive their love if you're also not open to their mind and their thoughts and, and their assumptions and why they're taking something personally because in all reality, you can't, you really can't hurt somebody with your words, right? You, what I'm saying to you might hurt you because you have a past wound, but most likely I'm not hurting you. Amy, I could say that you're fat, which we both know you're not, but I could say that you're fat and you could say that really hurts me, but is it because what I said hurt you or is it because something that somebody did to you in the past that made you feel fat hurt you? Can, can like, I jump in here, Meg? Can I jump in here? <laughs> Totally. So I would respond to that, that no one can ever make me feel anything because the truth is my feeling experience never comes from somebody else. It can only oh, yeah. come from thought in the Yeah. It can only come from thought in the moment. So like what you're highlighting, if my thinking about, if I'm thinking that what you're saying, I love what you said about building up these kind of rabbit holes of thought or winding yourself up so much that you think it to be real. And then all of a sudden you're kind of going through with these kind of like red glasses where you think everything they're saying is actually a slight on you when they're not intending that. I mean, that is the, 
the magic of the system, right? I mean, whatever thinking impulses are going through our body, we're going to take that to be real. And, and miscommunications are bound to happen, I think, as being human. I mean, we're all living in separate realities, as we said. So, I mean, this is bound to happen. But one thing I think that's really important as well to note is that what someone thinks in a moment says nothing about what they will think in the next moment. So a lot of times where it used to get sticky for me is when I would exactly like you said, Meg, make assumptions and draw conclusions from one action or uh, one uh, thing that they said to me, where then I snowballed it to mean that, well, it's always going to be this way, or we're not going to be together, or I'm not worthy, or this always happens to me. I'm no good. I'm always self-sabotaging relationships. What's wrong with me? You know, all of that kind of internal chatter. You know, and, and as, hmm, as I have come to see, truly, not as an idea, but to really know that everybody is just doing the best they can with the level of thinking they have in the moment, it allows me the freedom of those moments where I can make a choice or I just naturally, as a result, don't take it personally. And there's also this piece of, you know, um, and I think you've also highlighted this really beautifully, Meg, about this need to be right or to control kind of a partner, right? We've talked about this a lot. And the truth is, everybody deep down does know what's best for them. And I do believe every human being is innately hooked into their own health and their own wisdom. And again, the only thing that can ever get in the way is thought. And the beauty of thought is that it's so fleeting. It's like a river flowing. I mean, you, you have one thought one moment, and the next moment, if it's let go, you pick up another thought. Uh, and there's a book that Meg and I both really enjoyed uh, to read. It's called A Return to Love. And it's beautifully written by Marianne Williamson. If you haven't picked it up, I highly recommend it. And it's really talking about love, not as a concept, but love as a truth. And that when we love purely, it's really just releasing others and ourselves to just be who we are. And to see the ego for what it is and to let the egoic stuff pass. You know, there's a, a line she has in there that I think is, is true for me. I don't know about for you, Meg, but it seems like it's similar from the stories you've shared today. Is that it's our failure to accept people as they are that gives us pain in a relationship. So again, it's it's not the victimization that's real it's the only thing that's causing our suffering is our thinking in the moment and the expectations or the neediness or the desire or the insecurity when that falls away and i'm sure you've experienced this meg when that falls away there's such a deep and true connection that lies underneath that and i'd really invite listeners to just play around with this as an idea with the fact that love isn't something you have to work at, that it's already there uh, and that your partner doesn't need to be fixed. Now, maybe your wisdom will tell you to leave that person or not. That's a whole different thing. But to really accept someone for who they are without doing it because you want to feel good about yourself, but just doing it <laughs> because it naturally occurs for you to do, this is a whole other ballgame of living that's on offer. And it's just pretty exciting. 
Uh, well, we're really running out of time already. I can't believe this. I could talk about this for ages. I know you could too, Meg. Uh, Meg, would you like to, if you could leave the listeners with maybe one key point for today, uh, what would it be? You know, we've covered so much. I, I think the key point I would like to leave them with today is that there's no rule book when it comes to love and relationships. Um, there's nothing that says that you have to wait six months before I said, you say, I love you. You know, my boyfriend and I told each other, we loved each other within a month. And some people looked at us like we we're freaking nuts, but it was a feeling that we just both felt. And instead of rejecting it and pushing it down inside of us for the fear of rejection, maybe, or because we didn't thought people would think that we were crazy. We didn't care what other people thought. We only cared about the love we had for each other, that unconditional love really of just seeing somebody pure for themselves and not wanting to change the other person. And, and that's how we love each other still to this day is we're not trying to change each other. We just love each other. And people see that when you stop worrying about preconceived ideas of what people have on relationship and on love and how it should go about. And should you date someone that has a girlfriend or should you date someone that's still in the middle of a divorce or should you do this or should you do that? Nobody else's opinion matters when it comes to you and your relationship with somebody else. There's only two people in this relationship, you and the other person. You need to communicate with them, not with the other people outside the world. And so I think that's what I should leave you guys with is how important, I think it's very important to have friends and family to talk to, but I think it's very important to communicate with the person that you're in a relationship with first. Not to go behind them and gossip or vent or talk about it to a friend, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that when doing so, you're taking the other person out of the relationship and they don't, they can't read your mind, they don't know what's going on. So I think it's very important to keep them in that relationship and that the two of you, the two people in the relationship really need to work on communication so that way you aren't making assumptions and you aren't taking anything personally. And I think that's like my key to take away with this listening right now. Meg, that's really beautiful and simple about throwing out the rule book. And I find that that's so true. The truth is if I, if I let my thinking get in the way, if I lived based on what society told me I should and shouldn't do when it came to falling for this man, I would have missed out on the most beautiful experience I've ever had with another human being. And we're together now. You know, and all of that would have been missed because of my thinking would have limited my experience. I mean, this is amazing. I also have a really good friend of mine who is in another kind of love story that isn't conventional. You know, she, she's been talking to a gentleman. They met on Instagram. They've been talking every day uh, since December. You know, this real soul connection they've never met. She's going to meet him in five days. You know, they've talked every day, sometimes 11 hours at a time. They are, they do love each other. And I remember when I was there visiting her, she was saying, you know, the insecurities were coming up, of course, you know, like, well, is this crazy? Am I nuts? Questioning herself, you know, I've never even met him. How could I love him? But why wouldn't you love him? Right? These are just a whole bunch of ideas and roles we have. And when it comes to love that th those don't exist, they're not real. Again, we make up everything <laughs> in our lives about how we live and how we see the world and we forget. And then we get tortured by the rules that we've actually made up. <laughs> so it's just incredible. So I really just encourage listeners to, to play around with this. Um, maybe pick up a return to love. If you would like to be in a space 
having conversations like this, experiencing a deep connection uh, to people when it comes to dropping out of your habitual thinking monkey brain, you are more than welcome to join Meg and I on one of our retreats. We've got a couple coming up. We actually have a retreat in Costa Rica in August, and we're also going to be doing a 12-day trip to India, and that will be in February. So feel free to reach out to us. You can email me at amy at amyleo.com. Meg, it's been a pleasure. We could talk about this in circles forever and ever, but we keep coming back to the same theme, which is love in and of itself is already there. Everything else really is an illusion. And every person has the ability to be freed of that illusion, to experience that deep sense of love and connection. Listeners, you probably have already felt this. I'm sure at some point in your childhood or adolescence, or you've been with a lover or a best friend where you weren't thinking about anything, you were just in the moment and just feeling connected. And how, if we connect like that as human beings, there really is no limit to what we can achieve. And I truly, truly believe that. Thank you all again. This was Amy Leo and Meg. Love and light. Ciao.